So today's our last week in our Grow series. How many of you guys have been enjoying that series? Uh, I'm not going to make you yell anymore. Probably our cords are shredded, right? This has been a challenging series. I'm going to tell you what, church, this has been a challenging series for me. Uh, it's not that I haven't heard any of these things before or believe them or live them, but, but how many of you guys can agree, like sometimes when you're reminded of the things that God has said, you're just like, whoa, I, I just, I needed that right now in this moment. During this pandemic, for me especially, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I've struggled in and out of depression. I'm not saying I was depressed, but I just, I battled it, right? I battled depression. I, I, I just struggled inside of this season. Uh, and then Kevin Warren canceled Big Ten football. And I'm like, why would you do that? And then so I'm like freaking out. I'm probably more mad that they canceled Big Ten football than I am that I have to wear a mask everywhere. I'm just being real. And you guys can judge me if you want, but... But I've just been struggling and, and, and hearing these things like challenging that, that I need to be selfless and, and, and challenging, you know, am I, am I living with love? Am I, am I living my life in such a way that people can look at me and see Jesus? Or do they look at me and see a selfish baby who really wants Big Ten football more than anything? I mean, I don't even care about the rest of the Big Ten. Can Nebraska play? You know what I'm saying? And you guys in South Central Wisconsin are like, boo. I actually said, go Huskers at a message in Whitewater, and the college kids booed me. Like, I'm preaching, and I got booed. I was like, can you get heckled? And, and I'm a pastor. You can't heckle the pastor at church. And they heckled me pretty good. But today's the last message, and, and today's message is titled, Count the Cost of Growth. Well, what do I mean count the cost of growth? How many of you guys have been praying to say, God, would you just grow me? Right? Hands up. How, God, would you just grow me? Would you just make me more like your son? Well, guess what? If you've been praying that prayer and I've been praying that prayer, there is a price tag that comes at a cost. Right? Maybe it's going to cost you some comfort. Maybe it's going to cost you some money. Maybe it's going to cost you more than you're willing to give up. You see, to pray the prayer of growth, to pray the prayer that you would become more like Jesus has a massive price tag. I'm not talking about salvation. That is a free gift. But to actually understand and do the will of God has a price tag. There are people who went to Jesus excited to serve, excited to jump in. And when they asked him what he must do, what they must do, he gave them words that just bewildered them. It happened all the time. You know, I was thinking about this, I was thinking about this message and I was, I was, I was praying about this and, and, and preparing it. And I went to bed on Friday night, and the Lord just kind of reminded me of my three-year-old. Uh, two of my kids are here, my three-year-olds with my wife in Whitewater. Uh, you guys should know when, you, when your dad's a pastor, you become a sermon illustration. I'm sorry, I don't make the rules. I just live by them, you know what I'm saying? Well, my three-year-old, uh, if you ever watch, most three-year-olds are like this or younger. Uh, if they get a donut... How many of y'all love donuts, right? This is a quick trip bakery special. When she gets a donut, 
all she does is lick the frosting off the top. Like every time. Like a donut, a cookie, cake. All she does is lick the frosting off the top. And the Lord just brought that to my memory on Friday night. And I just thought, man, it's so weird. There's so much more than the frosting, right? Like the blessings of God are rich and abundant. He forgave you. He gave you his spirit. He gave you grace. You no longer have to be shackled. You, you have an, an just immeasurable amount of blessing, freedom, love, peace, joy, healing, purpose, abundance, and life. Right? Come on. We have all of these things in Jesus. These are true. These are things that nobody can take away from you. But there's more to the donut. There's more to the cookie. There's more to our relationship with Jesus than just the frosting, church. And I think a lot of us, and I'm not accusing you, I'm self-analytical here, I think a lot of us are like my three-year-old when we get a cookie and we just want to lick off the good stuff, right? We come to faith in Jesus because we were suffering and he died for that suffering and it was good and it's true and it's right. And then we sit in the cell and praise God that he forgave us because we have sinned too great. And 10 years later, we're still there with the same crusty donut, the same prison cell, praising God because he forgave us, but still not figuring out how to get out. See, there's a price tag to experience everything that God has for you. I loved in the video when he said that forgiveness was the avenue for all of the things that God had. He didn't die on the cross just for you to experience forgiveness. Jesus said, I am the door into the kingdom of God. God has so much more for you. He has everything you could possibly imagine and more, but it comes with a price tag. So many people came to Jesus. The rich man came and said, uh, what do I need for an eternal life? And he said, you have to give away everything you have. And it says in the scriptures that he, he sank his head low and walked away because he would not give it up. Jesus did miracles. He fed 5,000 people. And then he started preaching to them. And all of a sudden, the hard things that Jesus was talking about just made the crowds disperse. Could you imagine seeing that? Jesus feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. I'm pretty sure if I saw somebody do that, I would listen to what they had to say. But it became too difficult. See, the price tag causes us to reevaluate the cell. Am I right? And most of us don't even realize that we've counted a cost and counted that cost to be too great. I want you guys to listen to this scripture. 
In Luke 14, it says, A crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said, If you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. Your mother, your father, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it. Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. So you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. Man, I think it's so interesting, this idea of covenant relationship with Jesus. You see, when you get married to your spouse, that kind of covenant demands reciprocity. Okay, what I mean by that is you say a vow and your wife or your husband standing across from you repeats that same vow. Jesus came and he gave his life for us. And in order for us to truly accept that forgiveness, we have to understand that it costs us in the same way that I'm standing in front of my wife and I vow to her to be faithful to her, to love her, to put her above everyone else. It's the same with Jesus. When we say yes, you're saying, yes, God, you gave your life for me. And so now I'm going to give my life to you. You can have it all. Everything I have is yours. All of it. If you want to understand this kind of growth, these are the steps. The first thing is that you have to count the cost. Now, I've mentioned my wife. I've been married for almost 12 years. Come on, give it up. Right? 12 years. I don't know how I kept her that long. It's because she loves Jesus. I did not know, we got, we, my wife and I, we dated for four months, we were engaged for four months, and then we got married. I had been a Christian for exactly a year. I'd been a believer in Jesus for exactly a year when I, when I started dating my wife. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. My wife is the biggest blessing I have ever had that God has ever given me in my life. My wife, my children, my family. I wouldn't trade it for anything, like at all. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Like, <laughs> I'm so glad that my wife has is, is got the fortitude to stick with me. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Like, I, I would come home and we would just start yelling at each other. And I didn't even know what I did wrong. And apparently, it was because I used to, you know, I'm a, I'm a boy, right? I'm a man. And I would come home from work, and I would just start taking off my clothes at the door. And uh, I'd come in, and I'd be like, pants at the ankles, and my wife's like, what are you doing? One of the costs of getting married to my wife was that I had to put my clothes in the hamper. And all God's children said Amen. 
One of the costs of marrying my wife meant that I actually had to take care of my face. Like I actually have to trim my beard. If I, did, if I wasn't married, my beard would be to here. I promise. Regularly put on deodorant. That was a cost of marrying my wife. Okay? You guys are laughing, but you have no idea. No idea what I was getting myself into. When Jesus is saying this, you, you got to give me everything. You, you, even your love for your family looks like hate because of how much you give to me. If you can't do that, you can't be my disciple. You can have the forgiveness, but you'll be stuck in the cell. How many of you guys know that God wants you to step out of the cell? Come on. I would venture to say that stepping out of the cell is a cost. It requires faith. It requires movement. And for me, I just be real with you guys, some of the most challenging parts of this whole thing has been movement. The second thing we need to do is we need to give him the throne of our heart. So we're not just saying, God, you can have everything I own. We're actually saying, God, you can have everything I am. God, you can have my whole heart. The things that I loved, I don't love anymore if you don't love them. The things that I wanted, I don't want them anymore if you don't want them. Not just my house, not just my family, but my desires, my will, my emotions, God, everything is yours. So when I was in college, I was in a, a theology um, course in and uh, I remember my professor saying, salvation is like inviting God into your house. Sanctification is like giving him the keys and saying it's yours. Right? A lot of us in here, I would venture to say everyone in here, we would scream and we would shout for the Lord. He's in our house and we're having a party. But to give him the throne... To say, here's the keys. You do what you want. Proverbs 23, 26 says, My son, give me your heart. May your eyes take delight in following my ways. Give him the keys. There is more to the donut than the frosting. He wants it all. He wants all of you. The last thing here, and you could probably guess where we're going with this, but it's the actual act of surrender and humility. 
Because that's what it takes, right? That's what it takes to give him the throne. That's what it takes to give him everything. Once you've counted the cost and you said, okay, this is the measurable of what I have to give to God is absolutely everything I have, absolutely all of who I am. You are going to need humility and surrender to actually follow through. This isn't just an abstract Christian thing. This is a practice, okay? You can't, you just, you're not just going to walk out of here and be like, all right, I surrender everything. It's all good to go. This is a practice. And the great news about the grace of God is that he gives that grace to you and that mercy to you to be able to walk it out in relationship with him. But it is a practice to surrender and to be humble before the Lord. Right? Listen to this. There's this, there's this story in the Old Testament that I just absolutely love. This, 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 this guy, this, he's struck with leprosy. And he comes to, to, to the prophet, and he's got like 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, a bunch of clothes. And, and he's going to bring all of this stuff to the prophet so that he can, he can heal him, right? And so he's, he's got the gift. We're going to pick up this story. Second um, Kings chapter 5, starting in verse 9. It says, Naaman, Naaman, I wanted to say Naham, but there's no H went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out, stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure my leprosy. I've done a lot of dangerous things with the words I thought. You know what I'm saying? Well, I thought it was going to be this way. God, I thought you were going to come and heal me. God, I thought you were going to come and do this. Also, does anybody notice that like Naaman probably went to a Pentecostal church? Right? He's like waving. I'm just going to wave your hands. Amen. Hallelujah. Over the spot and I will be healed in Jesus' name. He walked away angry because it didn't look like what he thought it should look like. Well, I thought you would do this. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all of the waters of Israel? Can I go wash in one of them? So he turned and went off into a rage. So not only did it not look like what he thought, he didn't even want to go to the place he was told to go. I'll go to my own river. My river's better than your river, right? My plan's better than your plan. You didn't do what I wanted anyway, so now I'm going to try something else. Ask Moses how that turned out. God told Moses to speak to the rock, and in anger, he, he hit the rock with his staff. And God's like, well, guess what? You don't get to go in now. Right? Read the story. Moses didn't go into the promised land because he hit the rock. So Naaman's freaking out. It took his servants. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? Right? His servant's like, "Uh, you wanted the big flashy thing. If he would have told you to do that, would you have listened? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? 
So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. His flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. You know what's interesting about this? When you read this story, you get the sense that God wasn't just interested in healing Naaman's leprosy. God was much more interested in the condition of Naaman's heart. See, Elisha could have just waved his hands and the spots would have gone away. But God had more. He wanted to do more. For us sitting here right now in, in, in this season, in this time, and we're looking at what God is doing, or we're looking at what we're doing, and, and we're seeing, you know, man, God, it would just be so easy if you could just do this. If you could just tell the governor to stop with the masks, that would just make my life great. Right? Like, if you could just tell the people to hurry up with this thing, or if you could just tell somebody to do this, God, if you could just, if you could just shut it all down, that'd be awesome. God could do any of those things, but he walked more. He isn't concerned about what's happening outside. He's concerned about what's happening right here. He wants your hearts. See, the funny thing about the cost of following Jesus is that it's actually a benefit. We don't look at it as a benefit until we've experienced it. Well, Paul said, I was a religious leader above all else. We were, we were just talking about this, right? I counted all garbage. A flaming bag of dog poo is essentially what the old translate. Look it up. It's in first opinions. It's garbage compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ my Lord. See, when God has your heart and he begins to beat for the things that his heart beats for, when you begin to see the things that he sees, when you begin to yearn for the things that he yearns for, you realize that the cost was actually your greatest benefit. God will call you to walk outside of your comfort, your cell, the things that seem nice, the things that seem good, and he will give you everything he has for you. And all he wants is everything that you are, everything that you have. We were going to do a song at the end of the service, and, and I just feel like the Lord is doing something a little different. You know, sometimes we, were, we use music to set an emotion or, or create a mood 
And I think that the Father is asking us to, to, to set emotion aside and just come before him in humility and in silence. See, that I'm not accusing anybody here, but I think that some of you can relate with me that, that this has been a challenge. Maybe it's a small thing, a comfortable thing, and, and you just want to hold on to it. And, and you, oh, man, God just doesn't care about this that much. This isn't that big of a deal. Maybe it's an opinion. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a TV show. Maybe it's a, a whatever. Maybe it's something that is just holding you back from the best that God has for you. I've been feeling in my spirit just over this season that God is going to bring about a greater level of reverence and holiness in his church. And I'm not saying that everyone looks perfect and plastic and that's not what I'm getting at. What I'm saying is that God said that I am holy so therefore you can be holy. I'm perfect and so you need to be perfect like I am perfect. And, and I just think God is doing something. He's calling his church to give us, to give him our whole heart. So what I feel like I want to know and what, what, what God is doing in this place is if you would give him your whole heart today. If you would say, God, I've tried everything on my own. I've, I've been mad at this. I've, I've held to these values. I've done the things my own way. But, but I, I honestly, God, if I'm being real with myself, I haven't given you everything. I haven't surrendered. I haven't had the humility it takes to say, you know what? Everything, every piece, there is no corridor, there is no doorway in the house of my life that you cannot go through and have and change and rearrange the way that you want to. If that's you and you're ready right now to make this covenant with the Lord, it's not me you're doing this for, it's not anybody else in this room, but would you stand? You, everyone can close their eyes. I don't care who sees what. But, but I just think that the Lord wants us to stand in his presence and say yes to him. Would you stand in the presence of God and say, you can have it all. I, I invited you in, but here are the keys. Would you stand, church, and say yes to the Lord? Would you worship God in this way? I know it's scary. It requires movement and action. But God has promised us some things. That if we want the victory for everything that the victory has, it's going to cost us our life, our allegiance, our hearts. Father, as a church, we come before you today and we pray in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus 
that your spirit would fill us up today. That as we stand in humility and worship in awe of our God, saying, yes, God, have it all. That you would meet us in this act of worship. That you would speak to us in this act of surrender. Not just forgiveness, not just commission. but change, growth, new life. Truly help our eyes to see what you see. Help our heart to beat in the same way that yours does. It says in your words that, that our lives were buried and hidden with Christ that we may be raised to new life. And so, Father, we hold you to your word because you want us to. That you will pour out all heaven has to offer. That we can go and do the impossible task because you are in us and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Father, we love you and we give you praise today. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.